Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. In Scripture, it says that Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw God, and he saw Jesus standing next to his father, looking at him, which was confirmation that in this moment when Stephen is dying, he saw Jesus. And that was exactly what I needed to hear so that I could know that when whatever was happening to Molly, that she knew that he was with her. And that in an instant, from the moment she was alive to the moment she died, she was in the arms of Jesus. And and that's what I carried with me to help quiet the fears that would come up in my mind. She wasn't alone. He was with her in that moment, and she has been with him ever since that moment. Doxology Bible Church is proud to present EverStory, launching wherever you listen to podcasts on June 6th. EverStory is a weekly, seasonal podcast featuring Christ-centered stories of hope and transformation, told by people just like you. No chit-chat, just raw, powerful stories. Stories inspire us to connect with each other in real, tangible ways. With stories, we're able to glorify a God who relentlessly pursues us. Mark 16:15 tells us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Stories embody who we are as Christians. Without them, Paul's letters would have never been shared. Without stories, a person with Christ in their heart might never find the courage to bring the word to their neighbor. Without stories, the Great Commission never occurs. Check in with us often as we introduce stories about the way Jesus' radical love is moving in truly awesome ways. Find EverStory wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow Doxology Bible Church on Facebook or Instagram at Doxology Bible. Want to share your story or know someone who might? Send us an email to stories at doxology.church. Because everyone has a story. Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. I would like a microscope for Christmas. I'm gonna look at small things that are dangerous and smash them. I want an Australian chipper puppy so it can play with my dog Rocky. A chair for my baby. A Wuggle Pet, it's a little stuffed animal that you get to bring to life yourself. I want a battle sport for free. Christmas. A battle sword for Christmas in the hands of a three-year-old. That sounds like a good idea. What's your Christmas list look like this year? Did, did you go for big, like a battle sword? Or did you go conservative and ask for socks? 
and underwear. Maybe you took the totally shameless approach and just told the people who would be buying for you that you'd really just prefer cash. And you tried to say it in a tactful way as so not to offend them and tell them why you're really asking that. And you're really saying, I don't trust you to go shopping on my behalf. I don't trust you with my list. So if it's okay, just put a couple of dead presidents in a envelope. Actually, it'd be better if they weren't presidents, if they were inventors like Franklin's. That would be okay. Just put those in an envelope for me and give that to me. That's what I'd kind of like for Christmas. What did you ask for? Did you ask for something big or did you ask for something conservative? Well, if you've been with us over the last several weeks, you know that we've been looking at the Christmas story and how in the Christmas story, God, our Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, my Heavenly Father, invites us at Christmas to ask for big. Not just big like a battle sword, or the kid that asked for an iPhone as a two-year-old. <clears throat> Big like peace on earth. Or, or hope at Christmas. We've seen that through the story of a child that was born, God invited us to ask for things like joy to the world. And not only did God ask us to invite or invite us to ask for those things, he shows us in the story of a baby born in a manger, that he's already made it possible for people like you and me to have hope or peace or joy this Christmas. And yet there's something else, something that we haven't talked about yet that's big, something that maybe you've sung about or dreamed about or thought about or hoped for but didn't really believe it was possible. Maybe not for you. Or maybe it's one of those big things that you didn't even know to put on your list. I want to show you what I mean. Take a look at this. And may all your 
You ever make one of those messes you knew when you made it, you weren't cleaning up? When I was in college, I was dating a girl, got a bright idea to go really romantic and cook dinner for her, which would have been a bright idea, except for the fact that I don't cook. But I had a friend and a recipe and a plan. This was going to be the most romantic night of our relationship. And it started well. First ingredient for the beef tenderloin I was making was olive oil. So you spread it all over the meat, get a little bit of olive oil all over my hands. No big deal, right? Second ingredient, red wine, which happens to come in a full glass bottle. I don't even need to finish the story, do I? (laughs) In slow motion, it slipped from my olive oil-covered hands and drifted to the white tile that covered my kitchen floor. Some messes you just can't clean up. So that night we ate at Taco Bueno for dinner. And we broke up the next week. There was no way I was cleaning up that mess. And in fact, I used every towel in the house, every white towel in the house to mop up red wine off of the white tile. Rather than sopping it up, it just spread the mess around. Some messes just can't be cleaned up. When I got ready to move out of the apartment, it just turned out that I had the only apartment in the entire complex with pink tile in the kitchen. 
which was okay with me because I had a whole set of pink towels that matched perfectly. But I realized that night, sometimes you make messes. You just can't clean up. Okay, more serious question. You ever feel like that's the story of your life? Maybe in your job or a relationship that you've got with a family member. Maybe when you look at your bank account, you realize some messes just can't be cleaned up. You went into it with good intentions, but now you see the mess there, and try as you might, you just smear the mess around with everything you try to fix it. And it's the story of your life that some messes just can't be cleaned up. You know, the story of Christmas just turns out as a sign for every single one of us. Some messes can't be cleaned up. And that is your story. And it's my story too. Not just messes on a kitchen floor. Not just messes at our job or with our kids or with a parent. A mess that we've made before the God who created us. That we can't fix. Story of a baby in a manger. The story about how God recognized a need and he decided to clean up a mess that we couldn't clean up. But in order to tell you the story, I've got to take you back even beyond the Christmas story to the story of some people who lived about 700 years before the baby was born. Their lives were a mess. Their nation was a wreck. Everything that they tried to fix their problem just made the problem worse. In fact, God recognized their problem and he went to the people and talked to them and he says basically that. Everything you've tried has made a mess out of your existence. Everything you've tried has made a mess out of your nation and you've made this mess that you're not cleaning up. In fact, not only just is it a mess, everything that you try to clean it up, everything you try to wipe up the mess, it only gets worse. And so in the book of Isaiah chapter 1, God comes to these people and he says to them, you know what, you've made a mess. And it's not just a mess between relationships, it's not just a mess between nations, it's not just a job kind of mess or a kid kind of mess or a parent kind of mess, it's a mess between you and the creator who made you. And you can't clean it up. And so you're going to continue to go through life beat up, walking from mess to mess, trying to fix a problem that you've created and a mess that just isn't going to get fixed. In fact, later on in the book, God tells these people, even the very best things that you've tried to do to try to fix your mess, they're just filthy rags. They're, they're just wine-soaked towels trying to clean up a mess that can't be cleaned up. Only Isaiah's picture is a lot more graphic. He talks about rags of a different kind. Blood-soaked, disgusting rags. That's what all of the good things that these people had done were like as they tried to mop up the mess that they'd made between themselves and their creator. And so God finds a man named Isaiah. 
And he calls Isaiah to help be a part of fixing the problem, which makes some sense. Here's what you need to know about Isaiah. Isaiah was one of those people who seemed like he had everything together. I mean, he was filthy, stinking rich. He had all kinds of power and influence. In fact, he had an, an audience with at least two kings. He had power, and he was extraordinarily religious. In in fact, some people think that Isaiah was a priest. He was one of those people that if you looked at his life, you would have said, man, that's somebody that's got it all together. That's one of those people that doesn't make messes like the kind of mess I've made. That's one of those guys that's got it all put together in a nice, neat little package. You know people like that? God comes to Isaiah and says, I'm looking for somebody to send to tell these people about the remedy that I'm going to bring for their mess. And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And it all makes sense that God would take a perfect person in a perfect night, neat package like Isaiah and send him. But there's a problem. See, in Isaiah chapter 6, God allows perfect put together Isaiah to stand in the presence of a perfect God. And Isaiah says in the presence of God, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, Woe to me. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Perfect, rich, powerful, Religious Isaiah identifies with the messy people. In the presence of God, he says, Woe is me, I am undone, I'm messy. And you look at him and you say, no, Isaiah, you're not one of the messy ones. You're one of the good ones. You've got it put together. Your life is in order. You're rich and you're powerful and you're famous and you're religious. It's all going to work for you. And Isaiah says, no, 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 in the presence of God, I am ruined. I'm messy. Like the white sock that you have in your drawer. Well, the, the sock that you thought was white. Until you went to the store and bought new socks and put them in the drawer and all of a sudden realized that the socks that you have weren't white at all. They're disgusting. They're messy. They're ruined. Next to the standard of perfect white They're a wreck. And Isaiah, the perfect person, the put-together person, says, that's me, that's my story. And in the presence of the standard, I'm ruined. I'm undone. But there's good news. Good news for Isaiah, for put-together people, and for people who know that their life is a wreck, because God comes to Isaiah and speaks through him to all of the people and says this, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall be like wool. 
God comes to the put together people and he comes to the messy people and he says, let's settle this thing. Let's take your mess. And even though your mess is red like crimson, it's going to be as white as snow. Even though the stuff, the, the, the mess that you've made is scarlet like red wine and all of the stuff that you've tried to do to fix it is just like wine-soaked white towels and it just spreads the wealth, uh, spreads the mess around, I'm going to make it as, as pure as the driven snow, as white as wool for the messy people and the put-together people. Well, how is he going to accomplish it? He goes on to tell the people through Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, about a sign that God's about to clean up the mess. When he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 700 years before this baby was born, 700 years before the first Christmas, God gets really specific about what he's going to do to clean up the mess that they and we have made of our relationship with him. He says a virgin is going to have a son and he will be called God with us. And later on, God says to the people, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you this sign. This virgin will conceive and have a child and you'll call him God with us. And it's going to be a cause for celebration to the point that all of us will sing together. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God. Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the baby in a manger, is the sign that God promised to show that he was about to make a way for the mess we've made to be cleaned up. Whether it's a big mess like the mess of the nation or a little mess that's just on the inside of us like the mess of Isaiah. Whatever the mess is, God says Christmas, the baby in a manger, is a sign and a cause for celebration. But it's only a sign. It's not the point of the story. You have to understand the end of the story in order to understand exactly what it is God did to provide a white Christmas for me. If you miss the rest of the story, you miss the point. See, there's nothing special about a baby. Babies are born every single day, thousands of babies all across this planet. There's something different about this baby. And if you miss the rest of the story, you miss the point of Christmas. Because later on, Isaiah begins to give us other pieces that later on we would put back together and understand what is true about this baby who was born, who is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It says that later on in his life, Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6, that Emmanuel, God with us, would be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, the punishment 
that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the filth, the mess of us all. God could have thrown us all away just like we would a dirty sock. He could have discarded us and had nothing else to do with us, but instead, he sent a baby who would grow up to take your mess and my mess on himself, to be undone before the God of the universe when he hung on a cross so that we wouldn't have to be undone before the God of the universe when we died. The story of Christmas is a sign of what God chose to do with our mess. To take our mess upon himself and to give us his cleanliness. Jesus was undone before God so that you and I don't have to be, so that we, this Christmas, can be clean pure, white. And that's the point of the baby in a manger. It's not just about shepherds. It's not just about angels. It's not just about Christmas carols. It's not just about candles. It's not just about family and tradition and being together. It's not even just about a baby. It's about the fact that God was faithful to a promise that was hundreds of years old to send a savior to clean up the mess that you and I have made that we never could clean up on our own. And he offers every single one of us a chance for all of our Christmases to be white. And he offers it as a gift. So the question tonight is, will you receive his gift? Jesus Christ was born as a baby, but not just a baby, as the God of the universe, God with us who grew up and hung on a cross so that he could take upon himself our iniquity, our mess, our filth, so that we could have his clean in return. And he offers us white this Christmas simply as a gift. And this evening, if you have never trusted Christ, if you've never received his gift, God invites you to ask for something big this year. Because God knows the mess that you've made. 
He knows the filth that you've created. He knows the stuff that you've done to try to clean it up. All of the money that you've tried to give to fix it. All of the religious things you've tried to do to make it better. All of the places that you've gone and the people you've been nice to and the things that you've said and the disciplines that you've tried to create and all of the righteous things that you've tried to do. And he says, that's never gonna clean it up. You're just spreading it around. But here, let's reason together. Even though your sins are like scarlet, even though it's like red wine on the floor, I will make it white as snow by sending my son to take the filth on himself and to give you clean in return. Will you accept his gift? If you have never trusted Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that before we leave tonight. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to give any money. You don't have to walk down an aisle. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do any kind of a hocus pocus anything. Right where you sit, right in this moment in the privacy of your heart, you could pray something that sounds like this. Change the words if you like. God, I know that my life is a mess. Some people can see it, some people can't, but I know that before you, I'm about as good as that sock that I thought was white. Against the standard of pure and white, I am undone. And I need a savior. And tonight, in this moment, on this Christmas, I'm accepting the gift of a white Christmas that comes only through your son. And I'm thankful for the gift. Amen. If you're trusting Christ for the very first time tonight, we want to know about it. Again, it's not because we want to try to make you religious. Nobody's going to ask you for money. Nobody's going to show up at your house and and try to get you to join some kind of religious thing. We're not trying to make you religious, but we want to give you some resources to help you understand the magnitude of the gift that you're receiving tonight, what it looks like for all of your Christmases to be white. So there's a place on your connection card that Steve talked about a while ago on the back of it that says, I'm beginning a personal relationship with Jesus today. If you would just let us know that you're doing that, there are baskets scattered all through the back of the auditorium as you leave tonight. If you drop that in there, we'd love to be able to celebrate with you. We'd love to be able to follow up just with a phone call and and help you get some resources to help you take some next steps in what it looks like to live life in light of this extraordinary gift. But I wanna ask you to drop that in that connection Um, the connection card in those baskets as you get ready to leave. Because we want to be able to walk with you and help you understand that you're not alone in the gift that you're receiving. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church.